Hey, hey, welcome back to How We Do Live, Love, Discover with Dan and... Sig. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is episode four. I can't believe we've made it this far. I know. Yeah, so I'm super excited about this one right here. Uh, we're going to be talking about how embracing the brain of a child can change your life. And understanding and embracing the power of your mind and your faith together to make this happen. Yeah. Does it, does this sound like a stretch? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be really good. I think okay. people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, because I'm excited about it. So I just hope that you guys are as excited as I am. Um, now, my daughter, she's always excited about life and always curious. Yeah, our daughter. Yes, our daughter. Yes, <laughs> our daughter. And we've talked about kidding. her in the past. She's such a, a beautiful soul. And Oh, she is. And we're, we're learning a lot from her and, and my son. Yeah. And uh, actually, we refer to them as our projects uh, because we feel like <laughs> God give, gave us those children to work specifically in, in our lives in, in specific areas. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of see them like God's... Project little, number one and project number Yeah, like <laughs> God's using these as, as tools. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds bad, but using these beautiful children as tools to, to impact and change our lives. And we've seen a lot of things. One thing is our daughter, she's, uh, like many kids, very curious. Oh, yeah. But I think she goes, like, another to a deeper level, yeah, like, of she, curiosity. Yeah, I yeah. mean, she's at a point now where she's like, Mommy, if you don't know, like, the answer to it, why don't you just Google it? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, wait, can you wait till I'm done driving? Like, I'll look it up after. Yeah, she just <laughs> needs to know the answers. And it's good yeah, because it's really good sometimes she does ask questions that, like, yeah, I tend to like overlook oh yeah like, no. for, for things yeah. i tend to overlook there um and she's like you know what like she's asking me about like the history of halloween and i thought i knew it and i was like i had to like yeah. dig deep and start looking and i found some interesting stuff it's funny because i knew the history of halloween but like retouching the topic i was like oh wow it was a lot deeper than i thought you know what i mean yeah. So and she she led us down yeah. this rabbit hole <laughs> oh yeah for sure she and she does that a lot i think with different things like that she has me looking up sometimes, and I'm just like, wow, like, I learn new things because she's asking questions that I never would have thought of asking, you know, as yeah. a kid or even now as an adult. I'm like, who is this kid? Is this kid mine? <laughs> yeah. So she she's yours, and she's mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're All right, so I want to share this quote. It's by uh, Martin Luther King. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Like, see, in our adult logical mind, we will see... If we see a staircase that we can't see the end to or that doesn't look finished, we probably won't even take the first step. That would be me. Like, that's so me. Yeah. Like, I like to play everything safe. No, and so I would be the number one person I to, would, like, refer this quote to. Yeah, I would be the one dragging you up those stairs and say, yeah. well, let's figure it out. Yeah, like, Daniel, I'm scared. <laughs> like, uh, we'll find a way, right? Yeah. So it's important to stay curious. Yeah. Have a curious mind. You're definitely better at that than I am, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to say, it's, like, I don't get curious about many things. I'm just kind of like, it is what it is. Yeah. And we're just going to stick to the yeah. Yeah. whatever, to the plan. And Being curious like a child. Oh, yeah. And it can't, if you're not careful and wise and and uh, 
and kind of step back at the same time, it can lead you down the wrong direction. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I think probably that's why I'm scared because I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, however leads me the wrong direction. But um, I definitely admire you and Aliana a lot for for being that way, for being so curious and like, I don't know, I like that about you guys. Yeah. Or keeps, about anybody that's like that too. Keeps life interesting. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever had one year that's... Uh, that's been the same like every no. year something <laughs> pops off oh my goodness yeah for sure wow yeah so i and i, I i'm pretty intentional about that keeping life a, a book you know not staying stuck in the same chapter yeah um it's just something See, babe, that's why i needed you because yeah. i would have been like the person who would have repeated the same like day all over again like groundhog day what is that movie called where oh, he keeps yeah. re- i would yeah, be that yeah. person yeah <laughs> If life looks the same five years from now, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got to step outside the boundaries of fear and complacency uh, to, to be able to experience that. And it takes a lot of faith. Yeah. You know, for sure. like if you can't, if you don't have a vision for that, it's and the faith, it's hard to make a change. Oh, yeah. So um, let's let's share a little science. Some of you, most of you probably heard about um, brain plasticity. So neuroscientists refer to this as the brain's ability to change at any age for better or worse. Key is any age. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've heard a lot. Um, I remember in school, just growing up, I've just always heard that your brain stops growing at a certain age and it's certainly not true. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of you guys still believe that that is fact? It's not um caroline leaf uh caroline leaf is an amazing person she's actually she was invited uh to our church and and our pastor interviewed her that's how i got to know her and then i did some further that was a great interview by the way yeah, it, it was. was so good it was so good and um i d- i got into some of her books and she's just an amazing intellectual person I'm just, she's she's genius So she's a cognitive neuroscientist with a Ph.D. in communications and pathology, specializing in metacognitive and cognitive neuropsychology. And uh, all that to say she's smart. Oh, for sure. I want to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So she says uh, not only do we direct our behavioral, emotional and intellectual changes, but we also create structural changes in our brains and bodies as a result of our individualistic and complex, complex thinking processes. So basically our minds have like our thinking can change things within our brains and bodies. Yeah. That is crazy. That uh, is. She says, I constantly emphasize the fact that even though we cannot control our circumstances, we can't control our reactions to our circumstances. Circumstances. We are not just victims to our biology. Mm-hmm. I have researched and experienced the evidence of the mind-brain connection and recognize the need to help people realize that we all have incredible minds that are able to cope and prosper with all of life circumstances as we learn to operate in love. Yeah. And that's a key, operate in love, right? Yeah, if, for sure. Um, if you're operating in anything other than love. Oh, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. That's where your curiosity can take you like down the wrong path. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, we're going to start by sharing our story uh, with our son, Nathaniel. Yeah. In 2013, mm-hmm. January 2013, he was born. 
Oh, no. He was not born in 2013. No? Okay. Correct me. 2012. Yes, 2012. You I guys am, forgive him. I am a horrible father. <laughs> I'll have mercy. So, I'll yeah. have mercy. So, 2012. <laughs> correction. 2012, he was born. And off the bat, uh, when he was born, um, we noticed that he, he had the jaundice situation going on, right? Yeah. As soon as he was born, it was crazy because pregnancy was easy with him. Birth was, like, easy. He was, like, I mean, he was born within, like, five hours of me being in labor with Aliana. I was 22. And so this was, like, a piece of cake with Nathaniel, we felt like. And, and it was, like, such a smooth, um, such a smooth birth. And then all of a sudden, as soon as soon as he was born, it was all of a sudden it, things got complicated. He was born with a jaundice. Yeah, so we, we had to bring him back to the hospital a couple no, days. We, right? No, we stayed a little bit oh, longer we than we were supposed okay. to. He was under the blue lights. I thought I remember. Having and to bring I was him back. crying. I was crying because I wanted to go home and be with Aliana because we had never been away from her. She had never slept over anybody's house, and this was the very first time she slept over Grandma's house um, for us to be in the hospital. Uh, and it was already tough, and then, so that was kind of tough. Um, and then he he didn't pass he didn't pass his uh, hearing test, so it was like off the bat it was just like things were awkward. Then we went back home. Uh, they let us go home, and after we went home, he got like a rash all over his body, and it was really really bad. It was like a bunch of things, just like back to back things were just like weird. Yeah. Like we something was off, and I felt like I felt happy, but part of me felt like something, something, something doesn't feel right. There's something going on, and I didn't know what it was. I just knew he wasn't like feeding long, like for a long time, because I was breastfeeding. And I remember he wasn't like latching on for a long time. Sorry right. if that's TMI, but like. Yeah. That's kind of where I mostly started noticing the difference. Yeah, and as as we we moved along, the older he started getting. Yeah, uh, we just we saw that he wasn't wanting to eat, and he wasn't doing a lot of things that kids do. And part of me was like, I knew Aliana did everything so fast. She was like, doctors were shocked with Aliana. Like she started walking very fast and doing a bunch of things like really, really fast. Um, she was like ahead of her time. And Nathaniel I was just like, oh, maybe he's just gonna be a little bit slower. And people were like, people would just tell me like, oh, he's a boy. Boys are always more more lazy. It's fine. But I mean, he was already at. Um, like a year old and he wasn't even sitting up like wanting to sit up on his own like unless he had he was resting against something uh, he wouldn't roll over uh, like just yeah. weird we like, even took things. him to doctors and yeah. they said there was nothing really wrong with yeah him. they were just like oh you just need to stop breastfeeding um because he your milk is not providing the nutrients he needs so we try to give him a, a formula like we started giving him formula like at nine months i only breastfed him for nine no he, i breastfed him for six months and um when he was nine months like we we up from six to nine months we were trying different formulas and he was still not gaining weight and we we're getting really concerned then he hit the year and he was at this point he was extremely like losing lots and lots of weight like yeah. drastically and then we, we were finally able to get him into children's hospital yeah and uh they i had offered to run a uh a, uh was it and MRI. MRI. Well, what was crazy was that we had a doctor where we lived, which is a different city, which was Palmdale. And I remember telling Daniel, I don't care how. I don't care if we cannot afford it. I don't care if the insurance covers it or not. We're going to go down to Children's Hospital because I hear, I hear that they're good. And we're going to get him seen. And I remember showing up for like a consultation for like a nutritionist because we were worried about his eating. And then she was like, okay, 
right off the bat, I can tell you, uh, you know, I am not allowed to uh, tell you exactly what is wrong with him because I am not, I don't specialize in, in that. But I can tell you right off the bat, I can tell there's something going on with your son and it's much deeper than his eating. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I remember it's so funny because on the way down, because it was about a, an hour away. And so I remember on our way there, we were praying. We're like, God, open up doors for us. Like, let him be seen by some specialists. I know there's something wrong with my son. And not because I wanted, want there to be something wrong with him. I know there's something wrong. I could feel it. Yeah, and I was kind of in denial. Yeah, and I remember just being like, God, open up the doors, Father. Like, set us up with the right people, Father, that are going to help us and give us answers to what is going on with Nathaniel. And it's funny because we met with the nutritionist just about his eating, and we were just telling her what kind of what was going on. But I was telling her how I was scared because I felt like something there was something deeper, and I didn't know what. And then she, oh, my God, God was so good. Like, he went ahead and set us up with her, and she went ahead and um, took us to a different department and was like, I'm going to set you guys up to come back. I'm going to set you guys up to come back and have a have a doctor's visit with one of our pediatricians. And and I am sure that there's going to be something going on, like because I can already tell there's there's something going on with your son. And it was just funny because God just set it up. Like, I remember going back like a week later, and that's when they were like, okay. They were like, yep, there's definitely some delays. This is abnormal. He needs an MRI. Then we scheduled the appointment for the MRI. Yeah, and we had to have a good conversation about that because, oh, yeah. first of all, I was in denial. Like, my son, you know. Daniel had been wanting a I had son. been wanting a son. Even when I was pregnant with Aliana. So I think, like, hearing that now he got his son, but it was, like, not right. how he expected yeah. at all. I mean, nobody expects that, period. But I, I was so, like, I think I was really heartbroken, but it showed up mostly in anger. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, man, we had a, man, I, I was really upset because my wife explained what, what we needed to do for the MRI, like what yeah. was required for that to happen. And I was like, no, you know, they, they, if you want to explain that a little bit, what they had to do. Yeah, well, they had to put him to sleep. And I remember um, uh, Daniel, we had the appointment coming up and I was like, Daniel, you're going to go with me, right? And Daniel was so mad. He was like, I don't think you should get it done. And they had to inject him with some kind and, of uh, dye or something Yeah, like that. uh-huh. And yeah. that's kind of where I was like, and I was paranoid about that. Yeah. And I was like, no, we can't do that. Like, yeah. there's and nothing so, wrong with him and, and whatnot. So Daniel didn't, you didn't end up going with me because you were so mad. And I remember. I think I was working too. You were working, but you didn't want to take the day off because you were mad. And you didn't want me to take him. And so I asked my Aunt Sassy to go with me. And so she went with me, and I remember mm. we were there, and they were about to put Nathaniel to sleep. I had to sign, like, the forms and stuff. And I remember at that point, like, feeling like, oh, my goodness, like, am I making the right decision? Because I remember, I mean, Daniel, this is Daniel a long time ago. <laughs> like, you know, but, um, yeah, Daniel did not take it, like, easy. He was, he was very upset. He was like, if, if something happens to him, I will not be able to forgive you. And so that stuck with me going into the to the hospital to get him to get this MRI. And I was just like looking at the forms and asking my aunt, like, what do you think? Should I should I sign them? Like, I don't know what to do. I would never be able to forgive myself if something happens to Nathaniel because the doctors went ahead and told me he's very malnourished. Um, he's very weak. And so because of that, he is running a very high risk taking um, taking this and us putting him to sleep. Because he he might take longer to wake up and and there's a possibility he might not, and I was I remember that tore me up. I was just like, oh my goodness, like 
this is a big decision and I have my husband like the other person I'm supposed to agree with and we're supposed to come to you know a common ground like we were not there and so it made it very tough for me I was just like if something would happen to him like I would never be able to forgive myself this is a big so deal you were put into a, in a position that you had to exercise that faith yeah for sure because I started praying to God and just being like God like help me father like I have faith that he's gonna be fine and yeah, like sure enough, they so they did the MRI. Like and even though you moved into in, in that faith, uh, was it easy or was it? Did the fear disappear? Um, no, it didn't. Oh, I forgot to mention your sister actually went with us too. Um, and so yeah, um, I remember just waiting in the waiting room, and it was taking a lot longer than they said it would take for him to wake up. And I started panicking, and I remember just being so scared, like. I think that was one of the scariest things we went through with Nathaniel. I'm not sure, but it was just so scary for me because I was just like, oh, we I, had a few. Yeah, and I think I was scared of of um, just finding out what was going on too, just like not knowing and knowing that after the test something might come up. That scared me. I almost wished it, like nothing would come up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I remember when when the results came up, it was. I mean, it shocked us. I remember yeah, they so called we got me. The call, we got the call. Oh, yeah. And do you remember your friend had came over to see, like, he had come over to our apartment. And I just remember receiving the call and I was like, I still remember it, like, so vividly. I was in the kitchen and I just started crying because I couldn't believe what they were telling me. And they were just like. So, yeah, what they said is that they found that he was missing parts of his brain uh, called the uh, septum pellucidum and the pellucidum. Cor- pellucidum and, and the corpus callosum. Corpus callosum. Yeah. So basically, those are um, the septum pellucidum. Is that how you say it? Septum pellucidum. That thing. It says <laughs> the main. It, it's basically a membrane in the middle of the brain, between the left and right hemisphere, and the corpus callosum is the part of the brain that allows the communication between the two hemispheres. Yeah. So. And then on top of that, he had cerebral palsy. Yeah. So it was two separate things. And so they they told us that and. And we were devastated. Oh, yeah. I remember just asking the doctor, like, what does that mean? Like, and she was like, well, it's really hard to tell. He's very young. And I was like, yeah, but like, what does that mean? Like, what is this? What is his future going to look like? And I think that was my biggest fear. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, not knowing what his future was going to look like. like. Did that mean he was going to be in a wheelchair? Did that mean he was going to be like not being able to move, you know, um, or, or um, not move? I mean, uh, like, just be physically active, you know, like walk talk yeah, and, he, he was already looking like yeah like he didn't want to do any of that yeah and so couldn't. i yeah and so i remember asking her that she was she was very sad she's like i am so sorry she's like his doctor was like i'm just i'm so sorry to give you this news you know and i really can't give you any answers as of now it's very hard to tell and i mean there are possibilities that he will need your help for the rest of his life but um there's slight chances that that might not be the case you know, and I, oh my God, that just broke my heart. I remember, man, that was really tough to get that news. Yeah. And they, they told us that the walking and the talking yeah. might not happen for him. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I got a picture of him just being on a wheelchair his whole life, and I did not want to accept that. Yeah. That was really tough. Very, 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 very tough. It was. And so, we were put into into a position where we accept this news and accept this reality that our son would not be mobile, that 
he would basically be dependent of us the rest of his life in 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 order to walk and and communicate and and feed himself yeah but my the faith in me got curious and i was like what if that wasn't true what if there's another reality where he's walking he's talking going to work getting married and being independent of us yeah i think it took you a long time to get there um but you definitely got there over time. Um, I think that's that's when we had, like in the beginning, it was really rough because Daniel, even after the MRI, he didn't want to admit that there was something wrong and he was in denial and he was like, they're wrong, they're wrong. And I was like, no, I believe that they're right, but I have faith that God is going to go ahead and move mountains and can change Nathaniel's circumstances. So I remember us getting together on the same page and being like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do all that we can, and so I remember there was like um, therapies that were being offered and yeah. stuff, and we started getting him on therapies right yeah. away as and, soon uh, as we real, could. Real quick before we get to that, um, so we we were informed that there was missing pieces. Yeah. And because there was missing pieces, it would affect his life, and he would be missing out on many other things that that we take for granted. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to extract the lessons behind this because it, it's super powerful. Sometimes we convince ourselves that we can't change or start something because we don't have everything we need. For example, um, sometimes we some of us might say, I need someone to love me or be friends with me before I can love or be a friend. Yeah. I'm, I am not ready to go to church because life ain't right. My life ain't right. I can't, I can't ask God for help because I have doubts. I, I can't start this business, this idea I have for a business because I don't have any experience. I don't know anyone who's been in business. No one in my family has ever been in business. So we get focused on what's missing, on what we don't have. And what if the reasons you're missing those things are the reasons why you need to start taking action. Yeah. I think we need to start with what we have, start working with what we have. Yeah. See, we are not limited by our, our experiences, but our ability to ask what if, despite your limitations. Yeah. Yeah. And so what if you asked, what if I love myself? What if I just showed up to church? What if I did ask God for help? What if... I did just start the business and figure it out as I go. Just think about it. How likely would you be? Uh, how likely would you be to take action if you could see the possibility? How likely would you change the way you think, rather than being in a place of limitations of thinking and being curious of the possibilities, and those being the driving force? Walt Disney said. We keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps us keeps leading us down new paths. Walt Disney and you guys all know how he created this world that we pay hundreds of dollars to go to (laughs) (laughs) and all came from his mind. Yeah. I mean, the cell phone that you're listening right now, that, that cell phone that you're listening from. It was somebody's idea. Yeah. It did not exist. It came out of a curious mind that put some ideas down 
and made it happen. So I got something in my nose. You had to sweat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on. I'm excited. That's why I'm excited. <laughs> so now, Nathan, um, we're going through the situation where, okay, we see him walking. No, first, so we started working with what we had, which was we knew we had the resources to be able to take him to therapy. And so we were like, you know what, we can, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to go ahead and take action in what we, what we can do. And we're going to do what we can do to get him where he needs to be or yeah. try, have yeah. faith and yeah. get him there. Yeah, absolutely. We'd had a therapist come to our home. We would take him to therapy. It was just nonstop. And yeah. any kind of therapies we could get him, we were, he was on that. Yeah, for and, sure. And cause we wanted him to walk. I, rem- I remember being at parties and, and, um, uh, and all, we, there's a lot of kids in our family, and yeah. and they would be running around, and my son completely completely oblivious that he's different, right? Like yeah. he had no idea. It just broke my heart, and he would just stare at them, and he would like laugh and thought it was cute sometimes, but sometimes he would just be so like out of it, and not even. Yeah, so engaged. all all these kids around him are running around, and like uh, he's surrounded by all these kids, being yeah. able to walk at his age and younger than him. Yeah. And he's not able to do that. Yeah, because at this point he was already like two, two and a half. That's when it really started breaking my heart. Yeah. I just started feeling like, man, like I don't know how much more of, the, of this I can take. Like I would go home from the park yeah. or go home from a party or being around family with other children. And I would cry. I remember crying, just being like, God, like, man, this is too hard. Like, it's so hard to see other kids be able to do this, and it, it seems so natural. Like you know, we have yeah. Aliana, we had Aliana, and Aliana it was like so natural. It just happened, and here we have this kid, you know, that our son that he's not able to do it, and it's like we knew that we had to hold on to faith. God kept instilling uh, like that in our hearts to have faith, to have yeah. faith. But it just felt like there was moments where it felt tiring, just being like, man, here I am, just having to come home and have faith. Yeah. Have faith, you know. Like, it kind of it makes you doubt that. Yeah. Your vision, like your ability to see him walking, like it, it puts definitely some dents in that. Oh yeah, in that for faith, sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so we kept taking him to therapies. You know, we had that outside help that we desperately needed. Yeah. And um, so one day he gets introduced to a walker. Yeah. At and therapy, they, they let us take a walker home so we're to able- practice his walking because his legs weren't completely strong enough to walk long distance. But they were at this point, we had built up his legs in therapy long enough for him to stand. And if you guys go on our, on um, my Instagram page, you guys can see I, I had posted up a picture a while back of Nathaniel on on an apparatus where he was able to stand. I forgot what it's called. Um, it looks kind of like a wheelchair, but it's for standing and he, his legs were strapped in to build up the strength in his legs to be able to hold his weight. So we had built up his legs enough so that he was able to hold his weight and stand, but he, he would, he would, um, if he was not strapped or something, he wouldn't want to walk. Yeah. So we started using the walker and, and he, he was not having it. <laughs> oh, he hated the walker. He only had it for a week. So they let us take it home. They're like, so Here. we had it for a week. Yeah. And something miraculous happened. Oh, yeah. He was so mad. Do you remember? We used to put him on the, like, okay, so we used to give him the walker and, like, have him hold on to the walker with his hands. And then uh, we used to get him away from anything that was close to him so he wouldn't be able to grab onto, like, the couch or something and, like, oh, yeah. try to we sit down. We made it hard for him. We made yeah. it hard for him. We, like, isolated him with the walker on in purpose. the middle of the living room yeah. just so that he would, like, have to use the yeah. walker. And he was yeah. so mad. Yeah, we, we didn't take it easy on him. We knew that if he was going to, get past these uh 
limitations. We saw them as temporary limitations yeah. that we would not, that we would have to take it. Yeah. Uh, be hard on him, not let him take it easy. Yeah. We knew it was going to hurt for a while. I mean, physically it was hurting him too, because his legs, I mean, we're not used to holding up his weight that long, but that was what it was going to take for him to, to get the strength yeah. to walk. And do, and doing the stretches on oh, the legs yeah. And, yeah. and the hands, like it would hurt him. And it was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. But we knew that it was for his benefit. Yeah. So we, you know, we did what we had to do. It was do. temporary like, pain. Yeah. Yeah. And like maybe to him we were bad because we were hurting him. Yeah. That's the part with, I would cry sometimes. Like I would have to like leave him like strapped, like on, even on the thing, like at therapy, you know, where mm -hmm. he had to stand. And a lot of the moms would take their kids off of there and like off of the apparatus and stuff. Yeah. And I'll be like, it was hard for me, but the therapist would say, no, 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 you guys can't take him off. And some of the moms would budge and like, yeah. they'd be like, no, like I can't leave my kid crying like that. Right. And then the therapist, I remember Nathaniel ended up actually walking faster than even some of the kids that were there because I didn't take him off. Like it would hurt me and I would cry with him. Like he would be crying and I would be crying too because it would hurt me to see him in so much pain yeah. and probably feel like I was a bad guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like where's and my it, mom? Yeah. Like why is she not protecting me or right. something? And that reminds me of us sometimes like... Um, for those of us who, who believe in on in a God, a creator, like sometimes we go through this, some things and we ask, like, why are you letting me go through this? Yeah. You know, it hurts. Yeah. This really sucks. Yeah. You know? Like, but where it, are you, God? And we don't even, exactly how I was mm -hmm. crying with Nathaniel as he was going through pain, but yeah. knowing he needed to be there. And I would be right next to him, yeah. but I would cry with him. And yeah. I, I, I feel like God does the same with us. It's yeah. like. He's crying with us. He yeah. feels our pain. Yeah, and he has the bigger picture of things. Only he knows why we need to go through certain things. And it's not until uh, it's not in retros till retrospect when we see things in retrospect that we we can make sense of it. Because yeah. at the moment, a lot of times it doesn't. Oh yeah, for sure. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So he hated that walker. And how soon after he got that walker did he start walking? A week. A week. a week he started taking his first steps on his own he wasn't like officially walking like you know what i mean like the whole day but like he started walking like he was grabbing like i remember he got to the point where he took the walker to the couch he grabbed onto the couch and then from the couch he like walked to me and i remember just being like oh my goodness i actually have videos yeah. of that he was three years old though yeah and i can't give credit to three the years old i give credit to nathaniel like yeah. his ambition like his hate for that walker yeah for his limitation. He was mad and that we're limiting him, yeah, I think. Like he had that desire. Like, <laughs> like no, I'm not going to use this I'm thing. I'm walking. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe I can give credit to the limitation. Yeah. That walker. <laughs> so I want to point out three lessons of this section here. It's so powerful. So we mentioned that he was surrounded with kids that were uh, around him that were actually able to walk. He was surrounded by all of this. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that we had to take him to, to the therapies. Mm-hmm help outside of ourselves yeah and we meant we mentioned this introduction to the walker and how he hated it he hated being limited by a walker yeah so so for the for the first point surround yourself around people that are running and going somewhere like sometimes we could be in a rut we could be in a place where um we feel like we're not really progressing but take a look at your surroundings. Who's around you? Who are the people around you? Your friends, your family? Are they helping you? Are they motivating you? Are, are they doing something? Are they inspiring? Or, are they inspiring you? Yeah. Are they moving? Or, or is everyone around you just kind of on autopilot? Mm -hmm. Surround yourself around people that are running and going somewhere. 
If you don't quite have faith or vision or clarity, borrow theirs. Right? Yeah. So I feel like Nathaniel would see these kids running and, and he would borrow that, like, that energy. Because yeah. he, like, he didn't know better, but he, he would just borrow that. Yeah. Right? And I just think, like, how much we can do that, like, with other people. Like, if we thought like a child. Yeah. Like, we just say, hey, that person has a quality that I admire. Yeah. I'm going to learn from him. Mm-hmm. I might not like certain things, other things he does, but what if I learn the one yeah. thing that I like about him mm-hmm. or her? Sometimes you will need to seek outside help, like a coach, a therapist, a pastor. And for, for many of us, that doesn't seem like something that's in our nature to do that. But sometimes we need that. Yeah. You know, if you think of a professional boxer, like they're in that ring alone, but they have someone in their corner. They have a coach in their corner helping them out because someone outside of your frame of reference can see things that you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. And the third point is recognize your self-created limitations and use those motivations and have the faith that you can overcome them. Right. So. Think about that. Think about your own life, like where what parts of your life do you feel restricted or limited and ask yourself, is this something that I've created myself or is this something that I can overcome? Can I, can I go around this? Can I figure out a different way to navigate this? Right? So I also want to talk about how my son Nathaniel was going through the not eating. He, he was losing a lot of weight. Like we were, that was just hard. Yeah, that was that was really really Talk hard. Talk a little bit about that. Um, I remember going to the doctor's appointments. I it always felt like every single time I would go, it was bad news. It was like one thing after another. You know, just when we had felt like Nathaniel was progressing in an area, then they would hit us with something else. So I remember getting hit by like we we were so excited about like Nathaniel going ahead and like walking and stuff. And I remember they hit us with the news of oh he's gonna need a G two because um he's still not uh eating enough because he had he had um oral sensitive yeah oral aversion so um he he was very sensitive he was very sensitive to like textures with food and stuff like that so he wasn't really eating he was still on milk and formula and they were like okay like i even then he would throw up Mm. he would throw up all the time he would throw up almost everything he would intake and so I remember they were getting really concerned and they were like, you know what, like he's going to need a G-tube. So explain real quick what a G-tube is. The G-tube is a tube that they put, that they go ahead and put into, um, well, actually they don't even put the actual, it's like uh, they have to make like a, oh. yeah, in the stomach and then they have like a tube that they attach to feed. Um, basically it's like same thing, like liquid, it's just liquid. Yeah. They, it's, they go ahead yeah, and So put, they make an, like, uh, uh, an insertion and, um, and they, Cut a little, they cut a little hole in their stomach and yeah. put put a tube directly into the stomach. Yeah. So you can be feeding yeah. um, uh, the, the child. It was a feeding tube. Yeah. yeah. So um, they wanted to do that. And I remember just uh, being opposed to it and telling the doctor, like, no, we're taking him to therapy. He is progressing slowly but surely. And they talked about, like, the risk of doing a G-tube is that most of the time, if kids do G tubes, they will not progress in like therapy or the therapies they get like for for um 
for occupational therapy, which was what they were working in occupational therapies. They were going ahead and helping him with the sensitivity of yeah. textures and food. Like Nathaniel couldn't even look at food without throwing up. Oh, yeah. Then it was like, then it, the next stage was like, okay, he was able to look at food, but he wouldn't touch the food. Then we got him to touch the food. Then he wouldn't put the food in his mouth, but we got him to do that. So slowly but surely we started teaching him and it took a long yeah. time. And, and, and it was a long process, man. Oh, but yeah. the doctors, they were just angry at us because yeah. they, they were like pushing for that. GT. Oh, yeah. And I, I had to see, I had to believe that there was a future um, with my son eating on his own. Yeah. I we, had to see we, that in my yeah, mind. We, we, both, had to. we both had to see that in order to, to make the conscious decision that, yeah, it might look like he's losing weight right now, but we have faith that this that this kid is is gonna surpass that yeah that limitation and he did we 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 continue to pray yeah. and have faith and and god came through like yeah. everything that god was promising yeah, I mean, it us did get it, ugly before it got worse. oh yeah like, for he, sure you could see all his ribs like like you could see all the bones in his back like the the spinal uh the spinal that, cord that was and, before they went ahead and um um were trying to get us to do the g-tube that was yeah. before when he was losing weight because of the breastfeeding yeah. but but yeah, he was definitely and not he, eating. He, he was not really eating bad. enough. Yeah. So, yeah. So eventually he started to eat. Like, I remember being super happy. You know, I think I was at work and you called me. Yeah. Yeah. And and you just started munching on food. And it took a while. But, like, for a good a good period, would you say it would be more than a year where we'd go out to eat and Oh yeah, we we didn't go out to eat from the time he was born till he was like four. Yeah, so like for a good while we didn't even want to go out to eat anymore as a family because every time we, we went out, yeah, he would just throw up everywhere every single time. Like yeah. every okay, every single day every of his time. life he was throwing up. Yeah, I would cry because it just felt like whatever he. I would get so happy that he even was able to hold down something for like an hour, and then an hour later it was like out. It, everything was out, and that's why he was losing so much weight. And then as he got older, it was still pretty bad. It wasn't as often. It started slowing down a little bit, little by little. It started slowing down. And um, I remember just being like, oh, my goodness, like, we can never go out to eat. Because every single time we did, it was so embarrassing. It's just like, you know, and, and uh, I mean, it's obvious, like, who wants to take your kid out to eat and know that they're going to throw up and they're going to ruin everybody's appetite because somebody just threw up in front of them even if it is a baby but it was like excessive it wasn't like a one time like spit up it was like throwing up like back to back to back like three four times like yeah. everything would just come out yeah. to the point his stomach was empty yeah so yeah so he eventually started eating and, and gaining weight and and progressing in that area which allowed him to actually get better in a lot of the other areas yeah. and started developing in, in yeah in, in in an amazing rate. Well, eating and talking that. go hand in hand. So yeah. when he started speaking, uh, it helped him with the eating. And when he started eating, it helped him with the speaking. So it goes hand in hand. So now it's it's amazing. Now we can't even stop him from eating. He's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. My stomach's yeah. hurting. Yeah. Like all the time. And I'm like, Nathaniel, your belly looks full. You yeah. look like you're going to pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's getting really chubby now. It's so um, cute. I love uh, it. It took a while. It's, it took a while. He didn't walk till what what age? Three. And I already, what age I already said that. Yeah. The uh, full, like full meals. Yeah, oh man, like, that, full meals. It took a while. It was like he was like four. Yeah. Like four. Yeah. So for four like years. Full of, meals. Yeah. Yeah. For four years of his life, he was actually on a pediolite, pediasure, pediasure peptide. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a, a liquid. It was oh, it's so nasty. Can't yeah. Believe. I felt so bad because yeah. like this is all he could eat three times a day. It's just liquid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. 
So uh, that yeah, people thought we were crazy because we didn't want to get this G tube. Um, when I say people, I mean the doctors. Oh yeah, they were mad. They were just really angry. So like, I wonder if I think I think we have a record of like upsetting doctors oh, in yeah. so many ways. Oh, it yeah. was crazy. Like we just c- came against. Not everything, because we realize doctors have a lot of knowledge, and obviously they go to school for a reason. Yeah. But I think it's like you have to learn that doctors are not God. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have the last word. God does. And so it was amazing to see just how God stretched our faith in that area and, like, teaching us, like, when yeah. it's it makes sense to listen to a doctor yeah. and when yeah. he was going to move that, mountains. That's a good point, because, like, we think of doctors, teachers, um, authors, you know, uh, yeah, people that are a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. and especially, you know, um, we learn from these in, in college and and we think they're sometimes we tend to think they're the ultimate authority on things. Yeah. And anything we learn from these people, we take as um, as fact, uh, as undeniable. This is it. Like it's never changing truth. But the reality of it is even neuroscientists who study the brain. Um, continue to learn and, and still haven't un, uh, uncovered everything there is to know about the, the brain. Yeah. You know, we're trying to explore and discover space, but we haven't even discovered the fullness of the, of our brain and yeah. what it can do. So it's interesting. It's interesting to think that. So with that being said, they thought we were crazy. So some people, sometimes they will not understand your faith and think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Do it anyway. If you're convicted, if you know... If you have a clear vision of what it is and, and assuming it's something good, um, do it anyway. <laughs> now, uh, like just we like us, we had experience like our son throwing up and, and it got ugly and messy. And he would just it, it would be embarrassing. Yeah. So moving forward in your faith can get ugly, dirty and embarrassing. But stay focused on the desired outcome that you want to experience. So your hopes and your dreams, your desires might look like they're drying up and dying our son looked like he was dying. Yeah. And we can see the bones in his body, like every single bone. Yeah, the doctors told us he was very malnourished, that if he kept going that way, that even a G-tube might not even help because the point is his stomach wasn't able to retain anything. Yeah. And so I remember them saying, like, they, they were not yeah. they were not sure if he was going to make it if he, if he continued right. this down this way. Right. So if you quit too soon on your dreams and hopes, you, won't, you might not see that transformation happen. In fact, no, you won't see that transformation happen. Mm-hmm. So don't give up. I love what the ancient scripture uh, says in the book of Matthew. Super powerful. And I'm going to try to e- explain uh, what my, what I understand from it. I am not a theolo- theologist. I'm not a pastor. So um, take my explanation with a grain of salt. <laughs> right. So uh, the scripture says this. Uh He called a little child to him, speaking of Jesus, and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's amazing because we don't think too highly of children. And um, like how many of us will go to a child for life advice? (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> like we we're like, you know, you know, especially like, like older generations. I've heard I've seen heard this a lot where they don't really listen to the younger generations because, you know, like. They're still still got a lot growing up to do. And, and it's true to a point. But um, 
but it's just the fact that like looking at a child is it, just like no like you don't have like enough life experience but what if we looked at their curiosity what if we learned from their curiosity see what happens in life we go through these experiences you know and and our the way we think now the way our mind and our thinking has developed is due to our ex- what we've been exposed to, what we've experienced or not experienced. That's what forms our thinking. But we have the opportunity to think like a child, hit the reset button and adapt the brain process of a child. And that can change the way we look at everything rather than looking at everything as the impossible, looking at everything like that looks impossible, but it's possible. Ask the questions. Be open to new things. Because the smartest minds in the world do not know everything there is to know about the brain that's between your ears. The heart, the, the spirit, like all that belongs to you. And there's so much to learn about it. And the other thing that um, Albert Einstein, check this out, genius, right? He says, the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existence. This is Albert Einstein, you know, super curious. He'd come up with some amazing things. He was a curious man. So be curious. The second, the second point I want to I want to pull out of that verse is entering into the kingdom of heaven. Now, we believe there there's there's a heaven after death, but also I want to kind of look at it from a different perspective. Entering into a higher realm of thinking, meaning a new perspective of the world around you. Again, you can accomplish more than you think is possible. You're not limited to what you can see right now. But create, create a world in the, that you can imagine. How many of us have heard the, the only, you only use 10% of your brain? Have you heard that? Yeah. And I used to think that was true. Um, in fact, many of us might think that's true. Uh, but a neurologist, Barry Gordon, uh, at John Hopkins School of Medicine, uh, he says the 10% myth is so wrong, it's almost laughable. The myth's durability stems from people's conception about their own brains. So our, the way we see our brain is limiting us to what's possible, basically. So he says, they see their own shortcomings as evidence of the existence of untapped gray matter. This is a false assumption. So what if we took the lowly position of a child, embracing humility, being open to making mistakes, learning from, from life, facing our fears head on? Rather than running from them, how li- how different will I, would our life look like? It sounds like an adventure, a life full of adventure. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add to that? No, I think it's really good. It's really good. So, finally, brothers, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable excellent, worthy of praise. Think about these things. Think about your life. Anything outside of those things can be holding you back. 
any fears can be holding you back. Is life worth living if you stay in the same place you're at now? So Romans 12.2, it says, May I suggest not to settle for the popular thinking of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, testing and questioning everything, even this podcast, that it might lead you to your calling. And I kind of I kind of paraphrased that uh, that that verse itself. But just think about that. Just transforming the way you think. Adopting the curiosity of a child. Billy Grant says the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated. It's one's life uh, accumulated in one's life, but rather the legacy of character and faith. So faith, curiosity, taking those into your life can ultimately change the direction of your future. Thank you guys for listening, for tuning in, for joining us on this journey. And uh, we ask that you continue to support and share this podcast, send some reviews. That definitely helps us um, develop this into a better podcast, you know, because this is we're new to this. We've never done this before, and we definitely need your help. Anything you'd like to add? Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank All you right. guys for listening, taking the time to listen, and I hope that uh, something that we shared today would be of impact in your life and uh, cause you to take action in your faith. Yeah, yeah. Peace.